Welcome back to the In The Lead Show. My name is Jennifer Sang, and this is episode number 26. On today's episode, I get to have a conversation with Catherine Matiski, who is the author of Unlock Your Genius, Power Your Path to Extraordinary Success. And we take a deep dive into what it means to unlock your inner genius. I personally went through the assessment and discovered that I am a narrator with a power up of an independent, which reading through all the materials and going through all of the vaults and information that's provided in Catherine's program seems to be pretty spot on. So I get to talk to her today about this unlocking your inner genius and what it means to Catherine says, it's not the speed of change that affects us. It's the direction and sheer amount of change that we are faced with every single day. Yet in all of this change, one thing is constant and that's you. And the way you collect, process, learn, and communicate information is exclusive to you. It's your unique inner genius, the filter through which you connect with the world. And I think it's really, really important as leaders in any capacity that we are either leading our families, leading organizations, or just finding better ways to lead ourselves, understanding what your inner genius is and understanding even the different archetypes of the inner genius helps you understand and be able to connect and communicate better with those around you. And I loved understanding more about my own inner genius. I mean, I probably could have figured out that narrator I mean, I'm doing a podcast and I love to talk about things that I'm passionate about, um, was my archetype. I mean, that totally makes sense, but it's understanding also all of the other archetypes and understanding how, if somebody might be different than you, how can you communicate to, in, to them in a way that helps them feel whole, resourceful, capable, and empowered I had a lot of fun talking to Catherine about this topic and getting her perspectives and just her wealth of wisdom and knowledge from all of her years of experience. Now to get into that, Catherine Matiski is a leading global business educator and author with 30 years of experience across industries, including banking, insurance, pharmaceutical, biotechnology, and retail. She is the founder of TPC, the performance company, an international training and consulting organization that has helped, has worked with Fortune 100 companies around the world. Established in 1994, TPC has offices in Sydney, Los Angeles, New York, London, Singapore, and Switzerland. Matiski recently launched Intergenius, a suite of innovative online tools that provides individuals with a personalized blueprint for optimal communication, collaboration, and learning. Matiski is the author of more than 30 books, including the best-selling Train for Results, which is in included on academic reading lists worldwide. In 2014, she collaborated with a team of professionals certified under her own ID9 intelligent design program to write training activities that work. She is also the author of the 27-part Learning Short Take series of books. Her latest book is Unlock Inner Genius, Power Your Path to Extraordinary Success. Matiski was a member of the U.S. Congressional Business Advisory Council. She has been awarded for her, her influence on U.S. business and has been nominated on several occasions for the Australian Business of the Woman of the Year Award. You can learn more about her at innergeniusnow.com and learn more about this 
amazing program that will give you tools and insights into, again, not only your own archetype, but archetypes of others. And I believe strongly that for leaders, it's important. The more that we understand ourselves, we can start understanding people. And the more that we connect with ourselves, the more we can start connecting with others. And we talk a lot about this on our program about how leadership is an inside out approach. I come across a lot of leaders every day who want to worry and find ways to lead their teams better, want to be a better leader to others. Well, that starts with yourself first. And I think this is one of many tools that you can have in your tool belt to, again, help you understand who you are, how you think, how you communicate, and then how you can connect and communicate with others. Um, If you want to get in contact with Catherine, I will have information in the show notes. And also um, through her website, Inner Genius Now, you can take the quiz and the self-assessment and discover your own archetypes so that you can start having a better understanding of yourself and then start having better understanding of those around you. I look forward to having this show go live. I've been sitting on it for a couple of weeks and Catherine was a great guest where we discussed a lot of interesting things. So I hope you enjoy the show and welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the Inner Lead Show. My name is Jennifer Sang, and I'm here today with Catherine Matiski to talk about Unlock Your Inner Genius. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this because I had done the Unlock Your Inner Genius quiz ahead of time to kind of get to know what my kind of archetype is. And I'm really excited to talk about how it can apply to leaders and how they can use that to have a better understanding of themselves and even maybe understanding their teams better as well. But before we get started, I would love to know a little bit about you. So who is Catherine? So I'm from Australia. I live in Melbourne in Australia and I grew up in Adelaide in Australia, which is down the bottom in the middle. And um, I grew up in the computer industry. That's where I started my work. And I quickly transitioned into a training role in computer industry when The beginnings of the PC were coming out and everyone was doing Microsoft Word and Microsoft PowerPoint and Microsoft Excel training. Well, I was that trainer. And so that seems like 100 years ago now, but really the questions that I started to ask myself then are the same questions I'm asking myself now is I saw people back at that time really some people just embrace technology. They embrace the new. They wanted to be successful And others were just sent to the training and it was like horrible for them. Or they said, oh, this will pass. And if I keep my head down and retire in 15 years, I'll be fine. Well, that obviously didn't happen. So so it's those those people that triggered my mind way back then to say, what is it with those people that make them, for me as a trainer, a joy to train? They were just like sponges. How do I get more of that? And so I was in... On that side of the story of training for a while, uh, for the first 10 years of my career, and then I opened up my own business because I just wanted to do more and more and more. But that grounding in that computer training, just five days a week, sort of earned me my stripes when it came to learning and development and really trying to get people to succeed, sometimes willingly, but 
many, many times, not willingly. I'm smiling because I've spent much of my career in L&D and that is something that I can relate to completely because it's like, on the one hand, we know we need it. We know we want it. But on the other hand, do we have to? Like, it's always that like, most of the time it's like, okay, my boss sent me here. I have to do this, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Yeah. Like that really eager, you get maybe a couple students, um, Mm. are really eager and the rest are just, I'm here. I'm bored. (laughs) Exactly. And so what I wanted to do was to construct a framework where we were producing many more of what I call high performance learners who are really motivated, really supported because in my role, in a, in a training role, I didn't want to be teaching those people that were just there like prisoners, right? There's no joy in it for me. So that was really the beginnings of how do I construct programs? And by that stage, I was out of the computer industry. How do I construct programs and how do I teach other trainers to construct training programs so that we get we can manufacture those people? that they show up, they want to be there, that we can support them through. And that's been really my life's work is really doing that. Wow. That's amazing. Um, Cause I, yeah, I mean, there's so much value to the person individually, the organization, the industry, everything collectively, but yeah. How do we get people to that place? I think it's a really important. Mm-hmm. And I assume mm-hmm. that's where kind of this program unlock your inner genius came from was constructing this this program to be able to help pe- get people there. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about that? Sure, yeah. So that so Unlocking a Genius really came out of the fact that I have been deep into very big organisations in the US and in Europe, and I do very little work in Australia. And most of my work has been with those big Fortune 100 companies in the US and across Europe. and And somebody said to me, you need to be able to repackage, which is the business of ID9 intelligent design, repackage that and take that to a much broader market, take that to the everyone market. And I went, that's a really interesting idea, but how on earth do I do that? So I sort of thought that through for a while and then came up with the idea of what, what's the real problem out there? And the real problem when you really boil it down to the absolute minute problem is that people, none of us have ever been taught how we actually learn the best and how we prefer to learn. We're just kind of dumped into school as a four or five-year-old and we're tossed out the other end, either of high school or college or whatever we got to. And we just kind of go into this system and we're never taught, certainly my generation was never taught how my brain works and how do I work in a different way to everybody else. And so when we come down to that, you go, well, hang on, why don't people know that? Because if you know that, then you just learn it your way, no matter how that information is coming to you, you go, oh, I can do this. You know, I'm going to convert this into my way and actually take on that information quicker. So that piece of it is universal. That is not a Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 company problem. That is not a team issue. That's not a leadership issue. That's an everybody issue. So then I said, well, how do I do that? How do I actually get people to do that? And so 
I created this profile with this really complex algorithm behind it to say, which is really where my computer <laughs> experience came in because I could think that way, to create a profile to say, let's measure how you like to prefer to learn and then how you process that information. And then with that, there comes the stark realisation, wow, this is me. But then if I'm a leader, for example, I go, holy moly, everyone's different to me. Yeah. I've got team members who are now different. I've got my senior leadership team who are different to me. How do I then connect with people that are different to me, with different learning preferences, with different styles? And then how do I then take that forward and communicate in a whole new way to those people to maximise my influence? That whole story is really the inner genius story, which I've called that the genius quotient, GQ. So we've got IQ and then EQ and now GQ. So there's nothing wrong with IQ, classic measure of intelligence from the early 1900s. Nothing wrong with EQ. 1990 came out, revolutionised the world. Now, we need something different for this era that we're in, and especially in this whole pandemic story that we're all living through. What is it that makes those people who are really successful, really successful? Yeah. And this is one of those elements, I think. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, there's always been something missing. It feels like EQ, IQ is only a piece of the whole person. Right. And I think yeah, a lot of these yeah. things like GQ can help you identify some of maybe those other pieces or maybe the correlating piece, maybe that connects these different things that help you then be able to understand yourself and then and others and be able to then again, set up environments that are really benefiting them and bringing out their genius or their mm. best potential. Mm. Um, as you were talking, it was reminding me of a story I had of when I was in college, I used to always take a tape recorder and I'm not young, but I'm not old, but we didn't have iPhones yet at that point, but I would take a tape recorder to lectures and I would record them and I would listen back to them because I discovered that I was not a, I can't write things down or I can't read them and have it kind of stick in my brain. I, 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 I do best when I hear something and I can pause and reflect and kind of do that deep processing mm -hmm. versus just skimming and reading and kind of, um, so I, I realized that about myself at an early age, but for so many years, I thought there was something wrong with me because I couldn't take <laughs> all of the data that was coming to me in these different forms in traditional school and really, you know, have a, a way to be able to fit into the mold that they mm -hmm. wanted. But I, for me, I had found a way that worked for me, but I know there are a lot of people out there who struggle with these things, the way the systems and things are set up don't necessarily work for me, but yeah, we can figure well, out other ways. Exactly. And that's the key to it. And, and you manage to find your way with your tape recorder. Mm -hmm. And then I know Jennifer, you did your inner genius profile. So yep. what was your result from that? What yeah, was your so archetype? Yeah, my type was the narrator with an right. independent power up. Power up. Okay. So let's just reflect on that. So the narrator. So when you do your inner genius profile, you come up with one of 12 archetypes and you're the narrator and they've all got lovely symbols and 
Spotify playlist yeah. and Alexa. I noticed that. I'm going to have to yeah. check out the Spotify playlist. Everything's yeah. attached to it yeah. to really get you into your zone. And then you've got this additional thing called a power-up. And, and yeah. for you, that was independent. So mm -hmm. guess what? When you were just explaining what you did at through college, your narrator is your learning preference is to say that you like to hear things. So you're an auditory learner. You like to hear things. So your tape recorder was perfect because you could actually listen back to that. So that's your preference. Mm -hmm. And you said you wanted to listen back to it and really lock into what was being said. Well, the other side of the narrator to, to get to that profile is your processing is what I've referred to as connect. And so you're, for you, it's important that you lock into the big reason why you're doing something. What is the real point of this? What, what's in it for me? How can I take this for me or people around me? That big why, you know, the Simon Sinek why, I bet you're all over that, right? Yeah. And so people with the connect processing power and the auditory, that's your world. Now, you discovered that, and so that's one of your 12 archetypes. And so the challenge then is to say, well, you've kind of sorted that out in your own mind. Through life, you sorted out that that tape recorder was a great tool for you. Mm -hmm. And as you said, there's a whole lot of people that haven't sorted that out for them. And so with your profile, in the, in the report, there's a whole lot of triggers to say, use these words, use these methods of learning, use all of this to help you get in that expert zone. And for you, your real expert zone is your independent, like where you like to do things alone and you just describe that. So once you're armed with this, you know how you show up to the world and you can then take on information your way, no matter how it's coming to you. You know, you just convert it into your way. The biggest challenge is then how do you then, not necessarily just you, but how does a person relate then to the other 11 archetypes? So you're one. I'm on the opposite side to you. <laughs> I'm a, my archetype is a futurist. So how do I communicate to you in your narrator language? How do I explain something to you in a way that connects with you where you go, oh, I've got it, I'm hooked in. Mm -hmm. And it's not in my natural language to do that. My natural language is futurist. It's very visual. It's very future thinking ideas, big ideas, visions, plans, you know, mm -hmm. concepts of all of that connect. Yeah, that's not my gig. But how do I then flex my communication to then be talking to you? Or a whole lot of you on my team, they're different. That's where yeah. the skill is, yeah. Well, and I can see how they come together because I work really well with a futurist. If you can tell me the vision, right? Because I am <laughs> such a hyper connector is I can probably see how that's going to work. Like I can exactly. actually put, make the roadmap or the blueprint, right? And say, yes, I yeah. can see how we can get there. Um, I think- Yeah, and I need you. I need mm -hmm. you on my team. As a narrator, I need you because I'm not going to do all that stuff. I'm just off on the next vision. I'm on the next idea. I'm on step 17 and my team is going, hang on, we're on step two. I need people with your archetype on my team. Otherwise, nothing would get done, right? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, right. Or I mean, or if we're all the same, right? Yeah, I mean, things don't oh, get done, or if we don't, awesome. yeah, mm-hmm. you want that diversity. Um, you know, one thing I was thinking about too is not only can I see this being beneficial for a leader understanding their team, right? Like you said, who, what are the strengths, or what are your archetypes, but also for yourself. I know for me, like just knowing myself really well before even doing this, just being able to have conversations with people and say, look, this is how I learn best, even with bosses, right? Saying, look, give me time to process, give me the information. I'll come back to you with a really great answer, really well thought out, very, you know, very much in line with what you're looking for, but I need that time. I need that space. You can't just throw things on me. So it's also about, I think, understanding yourself to be able to then craft, you know, the environment that you need um, to be successful as well. Mm. And we all have those expert zones. Mm -hmm. And if we can get into our expert zone, and for you, that's, that's working alone, but for other people, it might be working collaboratively, it might be saying, okay, I'm going to work with my group on this, and we'll, we'll brainstorm these ideas, or put these plans into place, or we'll do all the detailed work. And it's really about finding that sweet spot. And for a, for a leader, that's essential. That if you've got your entire team working in their expert zone, that team is unstoppable. That team just blitzes goals because they say, well, you know, of course we can meet this because we can all, we're all working in our expert way. And what it's doing is it's stopping things like those emails that go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And then people say, oh, we should meet about that. And then there's a two hour meeting. And then there's another two hour meeting. That's all just rubbish, right? Well, let's get rid of that. And let's get everybody working in their lane to say, I know what I'm really good at. And I know where I struggle. And I don't want to go into struggle straight. Just get me in my lane and I can do whatever I want. Like, The worst thing that you can do to me, even though I used to teach, like 100 years ago, I used to teach really advanced functionality of Excel, like pivot tables and macros and all these complicated formulas and stuff. That was me. But that's not really who I am. And so the worst thing you can do to me is say, oh, here's a big spreadsheet. Can you just work on that for the day? Like, just dust my head in. But now what I've come to realise is, you can give me that big Excel worksheet and that really detailed work if I can get myself in my lane. And a few weeks ago, I was really struggling and I was working on one of these big detailed projects and my customer service manager and I were chatting and I said, oh, Nick, this is driving me insane. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just going to plough through this, plough through this. He said, so, because we're all working from home, of course. And I said, and he said, well, I'm not seeing anything going on in your environment. What's what's happening? And I, he said, what's on your Spotify playlist? And I went, oh, just, you know, relaxing cafe music. He said, what happened to your futurist playlist? Put that on. He said, and let me see your spreadsheet. And I said, here it is. He said, where's all your colour coding? And I went, oh, my goodness, talk about me losing my own mind Mm. because I was trying to go into another archetype that's not me and so what I did was I said okay I've got to present this spreadsheet to a client it was a full report thing 
And I said, okay, what I'll do is I'll colour code it all my way. And then at the end, I'll take that all off and put it back to grey and blue, which is their company colours. Mm. And so that's what I did. I got it into my zone and then I converted it back when I presented it. And I powered through. I had my Futurist playlist on. I got another coffee. I was cool because I got in my lane. And so we all do it. We all kind of slip into this zone of mush. Mm. And I was lucky because I happened to have a conversation with him. But yeah. if I hadn't have had that, it would have been a bit ugly. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I was just thinking, wow, it's great to have support like that to kind of ground you and remind you to yeah. get back into your yeah. lane. I, mm. That's awesome. And so one thing that was coming to my mind as you were talking was thinking about leadership. And let's say I'm an executive leading a large team. And what I've noticed is that a lot of times leaders want you to adapt to their style. So they'll say, oh, I'm an improviser. Oh, I'm, you know all the different traits that are out there. You know, this is how you can work better with me. And I've always thought like, shouldn't it be the other way around? Like, shouldn't you be the one who's kind of adapting yourself to all the different personality types, styles, everything on your team. It's not a one size fits all approach. So it sounds like you're saying this, um, this model that you've created is there's all these different archetypes and it's about as a leader, understanding all those different archetypes and almost having to change or kind of augment how you interact with those team members to bring out their genius, bring out their potential. It's not always about what's best for you. It's about helping kind of create that space for, for your team. How does that resonate with you? I think that is the ultimate goal here. Okay. So that's Mm -hmm. the ultimate goal, but that's a skill and that's a skill that's learned over a period of time. And so it's what can be done right now what's the easy steps to do that and there's a few easy steps the first one is to realize that it's okay to be a bit one-sided in what you're doing because that's called your natural communication you Mm. communicate out in your language which is really i'm not talking about you know english or french or spanish but in your learning language you use words that are indicative of how you process information and so those are naturally occurring words that you use and you gravitate as a leader or anybody in their language and it's okay to be to be um cognizant of the fact that you're just doing it your way so to affect to actually ask people to adapt to your way is pretty clumsy but it's at least better than not saying anything right so at least you kind sure, of aware. I guess so. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. right so, there. <laughs> but, but step one is to really say, how do if I can spot somebody's archetype, which is a skill, or if I can have my entire team do the profile, I will then know my team map. So that's a good step one. But what if you don't know the person's archetype that you're talking to, or you're like a CEO that I was working with a few weeks back where he is talking to 100,000 people. So what he did was he said to me, Catherine, I think I'm really good at doing videos and town halls and things like that. And I said, you are. Like, he's brilliant. And he's the head of a pharmaceutical company. And without giving too much away, you know, in in your bathroom, you probably have their products. And so, (laughs) so he's in, he's, 
charged with the responsibility of setting the vision and the direction of an organisation of 100,000 people. So there's no way that he could know everybody's individual archetype. So he said to me, I said to him, send me something that you've done. And it was a copy of a video recording. And what I did was I did some microsurgery on the transcript of that recording. And it turned out, I knew his profile because he'd done that. And it turned out that he was actually only hooking in people like him in his archetype and two other archetypes. Now, there's 12 and he was hooking in three. So in 100,000 people, he's really only connecting to 25,000 people. Now, you might say, well, that's pretty good. But what about the other 75,000? They could be thinking, oh, yeah, just another CEO address. Oh, yeah, nothing in it for me. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, isn't he good on camera? Or, wow, he's really confident. But they're not hooking in and being influenced by what he's saying necessarily. So I said to him, let me rewrite this for you of what I would add into this to make those other hooks happen to the other uh, nine archetypes. In a six-minute video, I added 105 words to that transcript, 105 wow. words. Wow. And those 105 words changed the trajectory of that communication. Mm. And I showed him how those words added into that communication move that needle from 25% to 100%. And said, say that. And he went, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my career. He said, is that possible for me to do it? I said, yeah, until it's a learned skill, until it's actually an onboarded skill that you have, follow this template. The next time you do a presentation, follow this template. It's called the inner genius wheel, where you just plot your communication out in a structured way and you hook in all archetypes at once and I said next time you send an email before you press send don't press send just stop and check have I got the structure right have I hooked in who I'm talking to mm -hmm. I give you all the tools to do that so off he went into a whole new world and the trick is is if you don't know your team member what their archetype is, it's okay. Or if you're talking to many people, it might be customer groups, it might be your marketing team going out to the market. If you do that in a balanced way, people are listening to that or they're reading it or what they're watching it on a, a video or whatever they're watching and they're going, wow, they're talking to me. Yeah. It feels like it's me. Yeah. It's not. It's just that those hooks are coming in so rapidly that you don't have to wait for very long before yours comes up. So you feel like it's for you. And really, it's that whole way of talking in a balanced way. And that's that's the real trick. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's what I was thinking was, yeah, it's not about necessarily trying to target one or two, but how can you, yeah, mm -hmm. like you said, have the hooks in to everybody so that every single person listening will have that moment of, oh, he's talking about me or he's talking to me Yeah, um, yeah. and having that connection, I think is so important. And mm. one thing you were also mentioning that 
kind of brought me back in my own journey is as I've done more work and I've done work in other models as well. So as I know that more and I get to know myself more, I start seeing it in other people. So it's not even mm. like you necessarily need to have everybody's mm. archetype, you know, in front of you, you can start spotting things, right. As you kind of get to know yourself and your own archetype more, you can then, and start researching the others, you can start saying, Oh, you know, so-and-so on my team, they must be a, you know, futurists like you, right. Or, um, mm. and you can start identifying that more. So I think even if you're a leader and even if you yourself just take the test and get to know kind of your own archetype, you can start mm. to kind of see that in others. And like you said, build in those hooks to start exactly. touching everybody on your team and creating more of an inc inclusive environment, which is what mm. I think most leaders are trying to do. Well, exactly, because it's actually less problem, isn't it, for a leader? Mm -hmm. If you've got if you've got a well-functioning team without drama, how easy is that? It's actually nice to go to work. You know, who wants to go to work with a team that's not functioning or full of drama or I won't work with her, I won't work with him, right, 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 right. Nobody wants that. So, so you know, that spotting um, that you talked about is actually the flip side of that is really listening to the questions that people are asking you as a leader. So if you are talking about a particular project and you've got one person who's just making lists and going into the detail and whatever, 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 that's an indication of what their preference is. And, and that indication is going to put them well into those detail archetypes and so that's where they're going to be. Or if you've got people who are saying, well, that's all very well, but I, I, we need to change the process here and we need to now reconstruct this way that we're working or we need to re-engineer our processes or whatever, they're very much in that construct type of archetype. Mm -hmm. And then you've got people who we think of as being often quite difficult you know and because they're the people that are saying oh but that'll never work or we've tried that before or what about this or what about when that happens well it's all very well having a 5 p.m deadline for that report but what about if this happens what about if that? and that grinds the gears of a lot of leaders because they've just given out this great idea it's a project they don't want all that stuff to what they think is interrupting but those people are just learning their way and when I first started training, like 100 years ago, when I first started training, trainers out the back of the training centre would be talking about, oh, I've got this person who just can't stop asking questions and I've got this person, what about this and what about this? Are they driving mental? They're difficult participants and whatever. They're not difficult anything. They're not difficult people. They're not difficult employees. They're not difficult participants on a training programme. They're not difficult participants in a team meeting. They're just different to you. Mm -hmm. And so I, as a trainer, embraced that and went, that's a great idea. Let's learn to use help and look up that answer because I had no clue. And it's like, okay, let's have a race. Who can find it in a scavenger hunt in help straight away? And everyone, a oh, great activity. Answer, that person was satisfied then. So it's all about noticing and really being hypersensitive to what questions are people asking, how do they how do they function, and then you can start as a leader to really say, wow, they're really in the detail. Let's give them more of that. They're really in the getting in and getting it done. Let's give them more of that. 
get them into those sweet spots. Yeah. Oh, that's, and I was just smiling and trying not to laugh while you were talking. Cause I'm that person. I was about to raise my hand and be like, that's usually me going, wait, how does that work? Wait, what are you talking about? No, no. I see. Cause again, I'm a hyper connector. So I'm already like five yeah. steps ahead of you connecting the dots. Trying and I'm to like, connect everything. Yeah. that doesn't work. What, what do you say about that? And yeah, I'm, it, a lot of, there have been leaders in my past who have been like, oh, you know, here goes Jen again, just kind of pooping yeah. on our party, but I'm like, you know, I'm, exactly. but like you said, it's the way that I learn and it's the, mm-hmm. you know, there is a skill and I also had to hone that skill too, because you don't want to be, you know, really, um, abrasive or, um, but, mm. but also learning. Yeah. There are people out there who can actually, it may be kind of annoying in the moment, but we're helping you connect the dots to see what you might not see kind of 10 steps ahead or, Exactly. The dangers or pitfalls that are coming. Exactly. And without those people, the pitfalls come, the dangers come. And you don't want them to be quiet. You don't want to shut them down because those pitfalls will come. And then that person inside is saying, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. I could have told you that. Yeah, never worked. Yeah, never. And so you want all that to come out and to reframe that from annoying to, okay, What's Jen got to say here? Let's give you, tell us all of the potential traps that we could fall into here. Where are our connection points to other areas of the business week? What do we have to strengthen here? Over to you, Jen. (laughs) That's a difference, you know? And giving those people the light and the space to be able to function in their expert zone because they bring all that to the table. And I see so many people who just sit in meetings and I've seen it during the pandemic on Zoom, like they could just have a face of them on Zoom because they're just sitting there like "Mm," for an hour. And I go, wow, that was an expensive person to have on a Zoom call saying nothing. And And I often think, What's their expertise? What are they thinking? But they weren't brought into the conversation. They were just there sucking up a space on Zoom. It's like, you know, they all bring their perspective to the party. And if they're brand new, they bring almost an external perspective. And if they've been there for a hundred years, they bring all of that experience with them and anything in between. And I think it's about the courage of the leader to say, how do I connect? And it's actually okay. And I want differences. And that is the courage of that leadership piece to say, bring me your different perspectives because I value that rather than it's my way or the highway. Amen. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that over the years. And I just, it ends mm. so tragically. And like you said, so much intellectual property, intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, everything is just lost, whether people are just glazed over in a meeting, quiet. I always tell my boss, I'm always like, I get worried when people are quiet, when mm-hmm. people are just kind of going through the motions, that's an indicator to me, like, oh, what's going on either. Yeah. We're not giving them the information the way that they need to learn, or we're not inviting them. That was one other thing that came up for me was I often talk about how leaders need to invite people into conversations. And that includes even the video you were talking about, right? How do you extend that invitation to somebody? It's Mm. by creating that hook, by creating that way for somebody to connect directly to what you're talking about. And Mm. 
Mm. I don't think, at least in my observation, working with a lot of leaders in a corporate setting, I don't see that enough. I see more of, Hey, we need to get this done. I'm going to dump a bunch of information at you and any questions. Okay. No, let's go. And it's like, Whoa, wait a second. Like, you know, works well for some people does not work well for me at all. Um, Mm -hmm. but no, but again, I think leadership is about I, I, what was coming up to was some of that emotional intelligence, that awareness mm. that you keep talking about. And the best leaders I've worked with have always had that really deep sense of awareness to be able to say, Hey, Jen, I noticed you've been quiet. What's, what's going on. What are your thoughts? What do you mm. think about, you know, what do you see as maybe a pitfall knowing my mm. archetype mm. invite me into the conversation. Say, I know you, you, you love connecting the dots and you can see what's ahead. What are you thinking? What, Mm. what is coming up, um, but invite them in. Exactly. It's certainly a a way to start a conversation. And I was in a meeting, I was presenting to a group uh, just before the holidays and I got on the call and it wasn't my meeting and I was being invited in as a guest. So I got on the call and I was waiting to be introduced and so on. And there were about 60 people joined the call and no one was talking, nobody and the CEO of the organisation was there and he wasn't talking either. And he just said, I will wait for everybody to join. And it was absolute crickets. And I thought, whoa, what's this organisation? And someone said about two or three minutes in, which is a lifetime on a Zoom call with no, com- no nothing, he said, oh, I just want to test that my speaker's working because I can't hear anything. And someone said, it's because nobody's talking. And I thought, wow. And that idea, and then when I talked to the CEO afterwards, he said, oh, we're such a connected group. Everyone loves working with each other. And I felt like saying, really? Mm. Really? That wasn't my observation. Firstly, as a CEO, he was late to the meeting that was number one, like why he should be there five minutes before making the most of that precious minute as people join. Hi, hi, how are you going? What's happening? Oh, I heard you did this. That's great. I, I saw this, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're golden minutes. Showing up first, being the first on the Zoom call is number one priority. Great opportunity to connect and really, you know, be human. But this sitting there, whoa. And They all did the profile. I then went back after a series of workshops. We did a six-week program with them and I did a series of workshops with them and they showed up differently. And I thought, okay, if if I've had something to do with this, fantastic, but something different had happened to that group of 60 people as a result. Something shifted for sure. I mean, you're right. I mean, you can get that vibe right away. Um, and I tend to be the, also the one who breaks the ice and I'm like, so, (laughs) you know, I mean, just because, you know, again, why go to work if you're all going to be so like miserable and, you know, it'd be so tense and yeah, I mean, but you're right. I mean, I think that is one of the biggest things is how can people in leadership positions, invite people in and make that really powerful connection with people. Cause mm. we do have mm. lots of opportunities um, mm. to do that even through zoom. Mm. Um, so and, without really that, and without that connection, it's almost impossible then to hook that communication in. 
And then it's almost impossible from that communication to have influence. So people say, I want to be more influential. And they're working at a surface level of influence saying, well, I'll try this tactic. I'll try that tactic. I'll try. It's like, let's come back to write down the underneath the surface and say, step number one is really connect in and then communicate their way and then you've got an opportunity to influence whether it's a team member a senior leader whether you're managing that whole 360 degrees or whether it's to a customer Mm -hmm. if you don't have that process and you're trying to come at it from the other end you just look like the smuggler of influence you know Mm -hmm. the shady manipulator Whereas if you come from the other way, you're coming from, you know, Robert Cialdini said the sleuth of influence, where you're really tapping in and connecting to real people. And isn't it a case of like right now where we are in the world, there is nothing more important. And I think this pandemic has taught us that the one thing we actually need is this connection of humans to humans. I think you know, a lot of bad things have happened because of COVID-19. But the one good thing that I think I hope will come out of it is that we're actually a better human race because we've actually probably thought about people on the planet as a whole for potentially the first time in our generations and then Mm -hmm. how we actually, the importance of that connection. Yeah, it's so important. And Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that was one of the biggest lessons, at least for me through the pandemic was finding ways to still connect with people, even through Mm. video, even when Mm. you're not in person and you can do it. And I think also what you were talking about, that slimy kind of influencing, like you were talking about (laughs) again, I've seen it so many times and I've always disdained it because it's like in front of a group or, you know, in front of an all hands meeting, it's like, you're really connected and engaging, but then when you walk past somebody in the hallway, you kind of don't act like they exist. Or if it's not in your best interest to look a certain way, you don't make the effort. I think it's, you have to be consistent. And I think it has to be Mm -hmm. something that you build constantly every day. It's not just hooking people in when you need it. It's just being that authentic kind of part of yourself and Mm -hmm. trying to really invite people in Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. But it, you know, I don't think that it's an innate skill of many people to be able to do this. I don't think many people are born that way. I think that if you look at the really successful people in the world, you know, across the world and people that have made the most impact, they've learned this skill. They've learned it. They've honed it. They've put effort into it because we just don't wake up as a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old or a 40-year-old and just have this skill. No. You don't. It's a learned skill. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be difficult. Mm-hmm. It's about just stopping, stopping before you speak or stopping before you press send on an email mm-hmm. or stopping before you go into your next Zoom call and going, okay, instead of doing, as you said, here's the project, blah, 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 go for it, stop and do it differently and say, okay, let's just run this meeting a little bit differently mm-hmm. and see if I get a better outcome. It's actually the tiny little things that when you add them up, 
cumulatively will make the biggest difference. Yeah. And so it's it's using those words and phrases and structures to say, okay, for the next 30 days, I will have the Inogenius template on my desk and I will follow it. And then one day you've got papers over the top of it, but you can do it anyway. So you become conscious and then you become unconsciously competent and then you've got a skill. And then you call, then off you go. But it's a learned skill. It's, it's Are you reading my tweets, by the way, because I just tweeted this morning. I mean, it's something, it's something that I say a lot, but growth happens in tiny tweaks, not giant yeah. leaps. So it's about, yeah, how do I, and I also heard you talk about experimenting, which I think is a really mm-hmm. powerful tool. I use it a lot in coaching mm-hmm. as well. It's about how do we have a different relationship with ourselves? So, cause I know for me, it's about Jen, you're not good enough. You, oh, mm-hmm. you messed up today. And like almost having that really strong judgmental inner critic that when I'm trying to have good intentions and I mess up, Mm. I tend to really, and I know a lot of us have that um, kind of judgmental part of us. So it's also about, I think being more friendly with it and experimenting and say, okay, yeah, for the next 20 days, I'm going to try this and see how it goes. Mm. And what did I learn? And then what I learned, I can maybe tweak and, you know, Mm. use my next experiment and just keep doing those little tweaks, but the experiment, experimenting element for me really resonates because it feels less pressure. It feels less like mm. Jen, you have to be a certain way or else, or mm. you're a failure. You're, we're mm. just experimenting and just let's mm. see how things go and developing new habits that way. For me, I, I've just found to be really beneficial. So mm. I like that mm. you mentioned the experimenting and um, how important those tiny tweaks are. Exactly. And if they work, keep doing them. And if they don't mm. stop, you know, it's pretty simple. If yeah. you get a disastrous result or you send an email and you've tried to do something and you don't get a response, well, then maybe it didn't work or maybe the person just didn't get the email. Maybe there's a whole lot of things, but mm-hmm. it's worth a try. Why not just try? Because yeah. it's actually like no lives are at risk here. You know, in some of my training that I'm I'm working with, people's lives are at risk. You, you're working with patients in a pharmaceutical company or or hospitals with hospital educators okay lives are at risk there but in this in the way you send an email or the way you construct a meeting or the way you do a project or a presentation no one's going to die right so why not just try and say I've been doing this my way for 10 years 20 years 30 years 40 years however old Mm -hmm. and then however long you've been in business for okay, I'm just going to have the courage to do something a little bit different. Mm. I don't have to change my whole world. Yeah, just try one new thing. What could, and, and if it works, go, great, that worked. What else can I do? Yeah. Right, that worked. Wow, I had two team members who were at each other's throats. Now they're working well together. Great, where's my next drama in my team? Oh, this person's underperforming. Okay, let me work on that person in a new way. Or let me work with that person in a new way. Let me be different to that person in a new way. Right, what's my next issue? My next issue is we have a lack of this or a lack of that or we haven't met that project goal or we're not doing this. Okay, let's do that a little bit differently. Bringing it down, as you said, to those tiny little steps, you know, and just tweaking, 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 refining, refining, refining. It's a game. When I send out an email It's a game to see how much of that email my team picks up. If they come back with questions that are in the email, it means that I've communicated that bit my way. 
Yeah. And so I'm not hooking them in. So yeah. I want them to come back with questions that are beyond the scope of that email. Yeah. It's a game. Yeah, it is. And I think it's a, a great way to wrap things up. I think it's a great way to just, I, I love that you said pausing and making those small tweaks and looking at it like, yeah, like it is a game. And I tell myself that often too, in, in work, I'm like, nobody's going to die. No, the dying. world is not going to come to an end. I mean, I, like you said, in some professions, that is the case, but in mine, yeah. it's not. So it's like, let's not be so serious about this. And let's try just to make a real effort to kind of see what we can tweak and see what that produces. Um, so I'd love to know what are some of your offerings and if people are interested in knowing more, or where can they go to find you, find out more about this? So step one is if you want to do the profile, go to the website, which is innergeniusnow.com, innergeniusnow.com. You can do the profile straight away. So that will be the first thing that will then open up that vault of reports and tools and, and all sorts of information, your Alexa skills and your Spotify playlist, all of that will be in that profile part. If you think, well, that's a, that's a good thing to do. I want to do more. That we have a six-week program. We have corporate programs for teams, for large groups, for entire organisations. Get in touch with me either through the website or go to my LinkedIn to Catherine Matiski. Send me a message and say, hey, Catherine, I want to have a coffee with you. Book into my calendar and I'll show up and let's talk. And then if we can find common ground between what you need and what we've got, great. And if we can't, it just means that I've met a nice person and had a coffee. Lovely. Perfect. I love it. That sounds great. And I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, go through this beautiful body of work that you've created and, you know, the help that you're giving and, and insight you're giving into so many people's lives. It's just, um, I, I loved our conversation today. If I could switch gears real quick, just for a quick second, I like to do this segment at the end called the leading questions that just gives us a little bit more information about who you are as a person and maybe beyond the archetypes and kind of business. Um, mm -hmm. So the first question is, what is your favorite book on your bookshelf? Oh, it's an Australian book. I just, I, actually, I've just read it twice on my um, Audible and I actually just bought the uh, book because I needed to own the book called Catch of the Decade. And it's about these two Australian brothers that started off with nothing and sold their their business for multi-million dollars to a big Australian company. And it's mm. their journey as brothers. Mm. And it's fabulous. I love it. Really? And, so, and yeah, and I've read it three times. And I just, and I got to meet one of the brothers as well recently. And it's just like, you would walk past him in the grocery store and he's a gazillionaire. <laughs> yeah. And he said at the end of our meeting, he said, I've got to go. He said, I've got to go and buy fruit and vegetables for my wife for dinner. And it's like, so normal, so natural, so great. So catch oh, cool. of the decade. It's fab. Catch yeah. of the decade. I'll have to check yeah. that out. What yeah. is one thing you are most proud about? Most proud about? Um, outside of work. Because work is all very, I'm really proud of my work because I've, I've taken my business from just me to being a global organisation and working with really cool organisations. So that's all, I'm very proud of that. Um, but most proud, it actually happened last year. I play the piano and, mm. and I started the piano when I was 10 
And I sold my piano a few years back, like about 10 years back. And last year I bought my dream piano, which was a Steinway grand piano. And mm. it was the big, and when they delivered it, I was in tears. I said, this is like my, all my Christmases had come at once because I oh. have now a Steinway piano. Yeah. And I'm so proud of the fact that, I, well, first I'm really rusty. On the, I can't <laughs> play like I used to, but I'll get there again because anything on a Steinway sounds better. But um, I'm so proud of the fact that all my work has enabled me to go and buy a Steinway mm. piano, which is the dream of like concert pianists to own a Steinway. And I own one. So I'm pretty that's proud. That's really cool. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. I'm, I'm jealous. I, I never had the kind of musical ear, the musical touch could never, I don't know why it just never really clicked for me. so I'm always jealous yeah. of people who can play a, <laughs> play an instrument. Um, tell me about an influential person in your life and how did they impact you? Oh, influential person. I think it was actually my very first customer. When I started doing my computer training, a woman by the name of Michaeli Molseed came up to me in a break and she said to me, I was training at Microsoft Word, advanced Word, like boring, merging and you know, <laughs> forms and all that, right? And I was really into it. And I still am, I'm a nerd. And she came up to me and she said, in a break, and she said, Catherine, you're not a real trainer. Well, my world stopped. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've been found out. She can see my yellow um, marker writing on my flip charts because that's where I used to cheat to have the answers of things. No one else could see it but me. <laughs> I had a whole structure around me so that I looked like a really you know, tech savvy person but I was really just learning as fast as I could and she had the most influence on me because I, at that point I instead of going ah I said what do you mean and she said because you know how to train adults and she said I want you to come and train my trainers and it turned out she was the head of learning and development for a big organization in Australia well, it was that organisation that sent me to their US office and that's how I got into the US. And then I started speaking at conferences in the US and my US business grew and then Europe started up to da, da da And so the influence that that woman had on me in that moment was absolutely vast. And so that's she's probably been one of the most influential people in my life because I can track almost my entire business back to that woman. Wow. You know, mm -hmm. as you were telling your story, I have a very similar story of it, and it always reflects on it. I always reflect on it and think back to just one question can mm -hmm. shift something mm -hmm. in your life mm -hmm. and send you on a whole, like you said, new trajectory, and you can trace it back to that one question, which is why I feel like curiosity and being present is so important yeah. because yeah. being able to ask that question, it may have been just a, you know, she didn't really put a lot of thought into it. She just had a moment of, Hey, I think you, but how like quickly we can change someone's life mm. in just such yeah. a small, that's yeah. why the tiny tweaks. That's why I'm such a believer in just those small Absolutely. little things. That's all it takes. It doesn't need to be. Absolutely. Yeah. That's wow. That's really yeah. powerful. So um, she changed the trajectory of my entire life mm -hmm. quite unknowingly. And yeah. I actually lost track of her and 
um, a few months ago, I thought, I'm going to find you. And I've actually found where she is, but I haven't reached out to her because I actually can't. Mm. So when this pandemic is over, I know where she is. She's running a health food store oh. about in another state now. She's okay. left corporate. I'm <laughs> going to go in there and go, you don't remember me, but yeah. you've been one of the biggest influences of my life. Wow. So, yeah. That would be a powerful thing. I, I'm also a believer in that. And we should tell each other more um, exactly. when those things happen. I think yeah. that means a lot to people to be able to say, you changed my life and just say, thank yeah. you. And yeah, um, wow. That's a beautiful story. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? <laughs> right now, I feel like I'm in the right place because we're in this beautiful bubble. I live on Mount Macedon, which is just out of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And I've never spent so much time at home until yeah. the pandemic because I was traveling 10 and a half months a year. Um, wow. And so I was never at home with my family. That was my life. And then the pandemic hit, and now it's like, hello, um, who are you people? <laughs> and so, but we live on a beautiful property, seven mm-hmm. acres on top of a mountain of seven acres of beautiful botanical gardens. It's just gorgeous. So I think actually, right here, right now, would be absolutely fine for me Um, but I did a stint in Vienna and I fell in love with Vienna and and even to the point that I was like going okay I'll open an office here that'll give me more of an excuse to come back so that was in the old world before the pandemic which I call the old world Um, but yeah Vienna is a pretty special place for me I just felt that connection to it and it was just easy and beautiful beautiful Mm -hmm. and my goodness those Vienna pastry shops and you know beautiful walkways and what's down that lane way oh divine yeah beautiful yeah Yeah, I mean you're going you mentioned a couple times that connection and I was thinking back to when we were you were talking earlier about you know how important that is to have those connections and those hooks because I feel like that's what humanity is all about is are those connections right to things to places to people to I mean yeah I mean how beautiful that you get to do that in your work that's that's really amazing um so the last question is what is the most important lesson that you have learned in your life that you share wow um (laughs) there's probably can I have two sure why not I'm a bit of an overachiever The first one is say yes and work out the detail later. So when a client says to me, hey, Catherine, can you do this? I go, yeah, I can do that. And then I'm like a duck on a pond and I'm going, how on earth are we going to pull this one off, right? Mm -hmm. So I just say yes and show up. And I spent a long time in New York City. And one of my friends in New York said, Catherine, every time someone says, do you want to go somewhere, even if it's to some bizarre monarch butterfly appreciation group say yes right no matter what it is whether you want to go or not say yes and so I say yes to everything as well you know within reason um if it's legal and so I show up and I say yes so that's my first life lesson my next life lesson is what is the best use of my time right now so if I'm waiting to join a call and I've got six minutes what can I do in those six minutes instead of just sitting there can I do something what's the best use of my time right now and sometimes 
That is binging a Netflix series because I need time out. That is the best use of my time to binge on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Or the best use of my time might be to cook for my family. Or the best use of my time might be two minutes before I've got to do a presentation. What's Mm. the best use of my time right now? So that is, I feel like if I got a tattoo and I'm not really a tattoo person, I think I'd have that tattooed on my on on me somewhere what would be the use I don't know but that's the best use of my time right now yeah just as a reminder um it sounds like a way of you know your way of like self-managing and self like regulating governing Mm. and optimizing kind of your time and I also heard curiosity in there too that's Mm. a big Mm. practice for me is you know what do I need right now what 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 or what can get done if I need to Mm -hmm. in this moment but again, going also back to like being really present and being mm. in the moment. And mm. that goes back again to the tiny tweaks. Cause it's, we get, sometimes I know as a futurist, you're probably a lot of times looking kind of way out into the beyond, right? It's exhausting. It's, but how it's do exhausting. we yeah, anchor ourselves back in the present moment? Cause that's mm. where a lot of the, again, those steps and those tweaks are going to happen. Um, that's amazing insight. Thank you so much for your time, Catherine. It was such a pleasure learning more about you and learning about your wonderful program, Unlock Your Inner Genius. Um, and I highly recommend anyone listening to the show, go and take the test, discover what archetype you are. And um, let me know um, if you do take the test. I would love to, to hear more about that. But thank you so much for your time today, Catherine. It was a real pleasure. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.